This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Knicks pregame to the pregame. So we'll be on the air from 9 to 12.30, leading you into the pregame show that gets underway at that time and then tip-off set for 1 o'clock. I'll be at the Garden on Sunday, so I'm looking forward to that because it's becoming more of a properly rated home court advantage. And I say that because, I mean, the Knicks, devoid of legitimate big games the last decade or so, haven't really gotten a chance to showcase uh, showcase just how awesome that energy is in that arena, especially during the playoffs. And I was there for Game 4, and it just looked like the, the Cavs were overwhelmed. It couldn't match the intensity of the Knicks on the floor and certainly were overwhelmed by uh, what was happening with the energy in that arena. Uh, Larry David, of course, out at the Lakers game. So I'm chopping it up with uh, Jack Jack Nicholson, who's looking a little old there. Jack's got, got a lot of great gray area, uh, gray hair situation going on. Dr. Dre at the game. Uh, so enjoying the Lakers right now, up 11 on the Grizzlies. 800-919-3776. Let's go to the phone calls. Batting you leadoff like it, is Paul in Brooklyn. What's up, Paul? How you doing? Ty, Ty, Ty. Oh, my God. Very disappointed Islander fan here. Oh, man. That's, that's, that's a rough one, Paul. That is a, that's a tough one. Uh, to, tough one know, to lose. It's not even that it's tough. It's... I play hockey. My son plays hockey. I come from a big hockey family. One thing you don't do in the playoffs is stop playing offense with a one nothing lead. The first two periods when they were playing offense, chasing that second goal, how many shots did Carolina get on goal? 19. 19. We had a 10-shot lead. Third period, under third period. Carolina winded up, if I'm not mistaken, seven or eight shots more than we did. Why? Because we wanted to protect the lead, and we stopped playing offense. We pretty much told Carolina, take your best shot. And they did, and they won. Anders Lee, the guy is a waste of space. The guy blocks more of our own shots than he does trying to tip them in. Sorkin played his heart out. We were in that series because of Sorkin. That first goal was not on Sorkin, in my opinion. That was not on Sorkin. The second goal, misjudged. What can we do over time? You know, but such a disappointment, especially when you look at game three, Ty, when we never stopped playing offense. What was the score? 5-1. We crushed them. Carolina had no chance in the game. Why? Because offense was being played from the start of the game till the end of the game. And that's why in I say, hockey, listen, you, you cannot stop playing offense in hockey. And that's why I say One it's of those tough. Sports where it is extremely tough, especially the group of guys. You know, we that have been playing together for the past ten seasons. 12 seasons even. Look at Josh Bailey. The guy didn't play not one game. Absolutely, his play declined. But you know what? What was the last game he played? I think uh, meaning um, 
His 1,000th game as a New York Islander so happened to be against the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. <laughs> he scored the game and look, goal against the Carolina yeah. Hurricanes. Yeah, Paul, I'm up against the oh. clock, so I got to let you go. But I appreciate the call. I, uh, the reason why it's tough is, you know, maybe Carolina was going to prove to be the better team. They had home ice. And you, would, if you had won this game, you're going into their building uh, for Game 7, which, look, could go either way. But the reason why it's tough is for for the reasons you mentioned, like the five uh, the five goals you put up in Game Three uh, before losing in Game Four, you go down three one, and then you get a little bit of confidence because you beat them three uh, two in, in, in Game Five, and then you go up one nothing in Game Six. And as I mentioned in the open, uh, that the team that scored the first goal was undefeated in the series, five and zero coming into tonight. But you just couldn't find a way to increase that lead. And the longer this game went on, I'm listening to it. I'm no hockey expert. But I just started to get that that feeling, you know, Carolina was going to flex its muscles and and find a way to win that game in in overtime. And that's what uh, the Hurricanes were able to do. So it's a tough loss for for the Islanders to end the season uh, in overtime, losing that way, knowing that you were this close to forcing a Game 7 after being down 3-1. And then maybe this pressure starts to shift because Carolina's staring at along a 3-1 lead. They're on their home ice. You get out to an early lead, all of a sudden that crowd goes silent and it becomes a psychological advantage. But unfortunately, you weren't able to get out at home uh, with the victory after you know getting off to a good start, leading one nothing. So that's a tough one. Let's go to St. Pete. We talked to Spike. What's up, Spike? Okay, you become a hockey guy now. I Listen, love it. I do it all, baby. I do it all. I know. I know. It's part of the job. I, Gordon's the best at it. He says, I don't know crap about hockey, but I'll listen. Listen, I'll tell you something. Uh, I usually start with, oh, baby, I'm so up with the Knicks, but I'm glad you're going again. And and I want your Lakers to win now because it's going to be tough to beat the Memphis. Memphis is a, is a talented a team, but they're they're a little immature but they're coming. They're coming in the next couple of years, no doubt about it. But I'm such a big LeBron guy that I hope the Lakers pull this out. Uh, by the way, it was nice that the Golden State lost to the 2016-17 Kentucky Wildcats. Sabonis, <laughs> Sabonis didn't show up. He's, and, he's yeah, actually yeah. hasn't shown up in this series, which is shocking. Yeah. The yeah. Kings yeah. haven't gotten anything really from Sabonis, and somehow they're going to a Game 7. Yeah, well, that's what happens. You can't figure these things out. It's the same way uh, when you mentioned about, uh, and I'm fortunate um, the station allows me in season to to call as much as I want, and I'm honored by it. And I got on with everybody yesterday, which is tough for me in my state right now. But I tell you, I was was old babying everybody because I got to say, Mitchell Robinson, showed you how soft those bigs are on Cleveland. And I was really pleasantly happy, not for the guy's career. Jared Allen's a good player, but he looked soft. He did. And, and Mobley's supposed to be a third-team or second-team all-defensive player. Yeah. He looked lost. He finished top he three. And he he oh. finished top three in the uh, defensive player of the year voting. I know. what. He sure didn't show it. 
and they embarrassed them. And uh, Leon Rose, who I've known for thirty something years, Cherry Hill, New Jersey guy, was an agent, and I got connections on that. And another time, I'll tell you how. But the bottom line is, I was so happy for him because uh, the acquisition of Brunson, you know, Mark Cuban should jump in the Shark Tank now after making that deal. <laughs> what a and, what and a what you, a gaff yeah, by by Cuban yeah, in the match. Yeah. Terrible deal, and the end of the season. We don't have time. We'll talk Sunday, boy. You made my day. I got you, I got the Nick game, and I got Larry, because he, he told me he's on Sunday. Yeah, Larry will be on after yeah. the Nick game on, on right. Sunday. Right. It's, it's real good. I'll leave you with this. I, I think Memphis is the team on the come once they mature. I hope the Lakers win. I, I'm gonna If Embiid can play, I'm going to call an upset right there. Mm. Uh, if he can play, because I think the, i got to fade the Celtics because I don't think Marcus Smart is quite right. and He's the heart and soul of that team. We know that. Not the best player, but he they go as far as he goes because he's the defensive guy in that team. And as far as the Knicks go, Picking up Brunson might have been, you alluded to it perfectly before, might have been the all-time best acquisition besides Dave DeBusha. Yeah, that won him a championship. Two championships. But Josh Hart's right behind him because that that beast on defense, he doesn't take any any backseat to anybody. He never gets tired. How he gets to the ball, he must have radar in his head. And uh, and he can score. You know, when he took over for Dane, when Dane was out, he averaged 19 points a game. Yeah, he it's did. Great. He it's did. great for the Knicks. Enjoy the game. I'll talk to you Sunday. Uh, you'll be on after the Nick game, right? Oh, before, before the Nick game, yeah. Oh, Larry's going to be on after the Nick game. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, then I'll go to the game. I'm so happy for you. I'll pull for you tonight. I just hope you can hold off when Memphis makes their run. That's all. Hope Appreciate the call. Appreciate the yeah, call, Spike. You, you be well. So, yeah, so uh, want to continue to remind you, Sunday morning, 9 to, to 12.30, uh, we're going to be doing a, a heavy Knicks show. And, of course, we'll, we'll get into some other things. But big Nick game coming up on Sunday afternoon. When we get back, let's talk some NFL draft. The Jets, Giants, making moves this week, improving their roster. Uh, Giants coming off a playoff berth. The Jets haven't made the playoffs in, in, in 12 seasons. So uh, it, it it looks like that drought is mercifully going to come to an end. And it has all the makings of it being a special season. But listen, when you're a Jet fan, you, you are conditioned to think whatever could go wrong will go wrong. But let's hope we change that because now we've got – uh, the best player to ever wear the uniform, just from a talent standpoint, and hopefully he can deliver the goods. 800-919-3776. We'll get into the NFL when we get back. Right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. And I'll be honest, I was a little perplexed. I saw... A bunch of you know celebrating going on in the Jets war room and you know anticipating what was going to happen and then uh, of course that the selection was announced by the kid who did a great job and a good job by the NFL you know involving uh, you know the, the kids and you know people who obviously have, have have dealt with some traumatic situations and he had the Jets uh, Jets 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 chant and he was excited so so good good for him. But it, it, this wasn't looked upon as a, a, an area of need, especially with your first pick at number 15. So Will McDonald in the fourth, a lot of people, including my, myself, wasn't really all that familiar with him. So then you go and you look at some highlights and do your research and you see 
uh, that he had 10 career forced fumbles. And Mel Kuyper Jr., a guy who you know has been in this business for a long time, an opinion I hold in high regard, uh, this was before the pick was made. And, you know, he saw that all the tackles were gone for the Jets. This was a guy that he was saying the Jets should go out there and give an opportunity to because he was one of the highest rated on his board. Uh, and because of his decision-making and his activity uh, coming off the edge in a conference that's loaded with quarterback play, there's going to be a ton of points scored. This was a guy the Jets could absolutely use. So I was conflicted because... Initially, you're thinking the same thing that everyone else thought. You know, this wasn't necessarily an area of need. You don't get a tackle. Maybe you get the receiver or you trade down, get some other picks that you can recoup from, you know, that Rodgers deal. But uh, I, after sitting on it for a night, have come to this place of let me trust Joe Douglas, who absolutely nailed last year's draft. Drafted the Offensive Rookie of the Year, Garrett Rosen. Drafted the guy who would have won it had he not gotten hurt in Brees Hall. Drafted uh, Sauce Gardner, the Defensive Rookie of the Year. So so he, to me, deserves the benefit of the doubt. Even if you are skeptical, or skeptical about the selection, even if you are someone who is questioning why they went in this direction, I'm just going to say he's earned the right that I want to see this play out. And you think about Robert Sala when he was in his quote-unquote heyday in San Francisco with those dominant defenses, uh, the type of players he liked and having depth at that position so he can keep guys fresh. And again, going back to the point that I just made about in a conference that is loaded, Mahomes and Herbert and Allen, Lamar Jackson just got his, his new contract, so he's going to be in Baltimore uh, for for a long time. Trevor Lawrence and, you know, Joe Burrow, the list goes on and on. You're going to need a dominant defense that is fresh, that is ready to go. So I am looking forward to seeing how this pans out, and I'm trusting that Joe Douglas and company know what they're doing. And I also heard Bart who Bart Scott, who, you know, you can listen to Bart and Hine every day from 12 to 3, right here on 9870 ESPN, talked about uh, the residual impact and effect of this type of drafting where you can look at a guy like Carl Lawson, who, remember, who came in uh, came in with such high expectations. And, you know, leading into the season a couple of years ago, it, folks talked about how amazing of a camp he had, but, and then he tears his Achilles and just hasn't been the same since then. So you didn't necessarily get the dominant production you were expecting from this guy who was supposed to be that edge rusher, edge rusher, who was supposed to be that disruptor. So now, you know, Bart alluded to him possibly becoming expendable where you can save some money and get under the cap. And in concert with that, Corey Davis, who you might not be able to trade, but you can release. So that can free up some money, create some flexibility for the Jets, who can go out there and maybe add a veteran like a Justin Houston or a Yannick Ngakwe or a Jadeveon Clowney if they're interested in those guys. And, and, and you can come up here and have those type of veterans be the, you know, leaders in this locker room, leaders on this defense who can ultimately uh, groom Will McDonald to becoming a, a, a great player. So the Jets have some options here, and I'm still dreaming about possibly landing, uh, you know, Cincinnati's Jonah Williams to, to help with this offensive line. So I'm excited about what they're doing in the draft. I, I, listen. New England always hurts the Jets. They've been beating the Jets. What is it, 14 straight wins over the Jets? 
and it hurt him again yesterday because of the trade where the Jets go from 13 to 15, and now you're sitting behind the Patriots, who you thought could take Broderick Jones to tackle. They decided to move out of that trade with uh, Pittsburgh, who now gets some help at, at on the offensive line for Kenny Pickett. They're they're highly touted quarterback who did come on strong at the end of last season. You know there was no chance, no shot that Belichick was going to be <laughs> trading with Joe Douglas. So once you saw Pittsburgh trade up, you thought, all right, this could be the end of that dream of getting a tackle to protect Aaron Rodgers, and, and that was the case. But the Jets did go out there and get a, a center, Joe Tittman out of Wisconsin, uh, two-year starter for the Badgers, and in the past two years, came across this stat. 24 games, 590 pass block snaps, and according to Pro Football Focus, who tracks these things, only gave up one sack. You heard Joe Douglas after the draft pick, they did the press conference, he said that there is going to be an open competition. I actually think Robert Sala said there's going to be an open competition between Conor McGovern, who they just brought back and resigned, and Joe Tipman. So, the Jets looking to improve uh, on the offensive line. Have to. Last year was a disaster, and you can blame injuries. And hopefully, Makai Becton, we, we see all the pictures of him getting stronger and getting in shape. There is, there is still a little glimmer of hope that he can come and have some type of an impact because the Jets desperately need him. And if he can do what he was projected to be, remember how, how great he was in his rookie season before the injuries started to pile up. If he can become anything close to the player we thought he could be, uh, what a what an absolute, absolute significant uh, jump that would be for the Jets going from what they had last year to getting this guy back on the offensive line. So we'll see what, what unfolds the rest of the way, the rest of the weekend for the Jets. Aaron Rodgers, it, 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 it's so funny. Packers once again yesterday in the first round with the 13th pick going defense. So Jordan Love didn't get the weapon he was looking for uh, with, with that 13th overall pick. Meanwhile, the Giants, the number one need coming into the draft. We, we talked about needing that deep threat at wide receiver. Four were taken before their pick that they traded up for in the first round. So you thought, you know, what, what are they going to do here? And they go out there and get Deontay Banks, the cornerback. And I listened to Mel Kuyper talk about just – how, how much of a difference maker he was last year. Didn't give up a, a, a pass over 30 yards. Mel Kuyper had him ranked 20th best prospect. He goes 24. So for the Giants, this creates a nice dynamic duo on the outside with your corners because Dory Jackson, we know he's a stud, and you now pair him with Deontay Banks. So that's, gonna, that's going to help solidify that giant defense. And we know Wink Martindale occasionally will, will send those corner blitzes, so that can help him with that attack. And also going forward, if you're just looking at the future, if Adoree Jackson becomes expensive and for cap-related reasons, you've got to part ways with him at some point. Now you're looking for Deontay Banks to become that number one guy on the outside. So the Giants improving their defense. And then in the second round, they grab John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota, uh, who is a center and, for some, maybe the best center in the draft. We've heard guys rave about his IQ, his athleticism, his strength, and that natural leverage he's able to get to so the Giants, beefing up their offensive line. And we know that's going to pay dividends, especially for that rushing attack. And then in the third round, 
uh, Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. We saw a, a video come across my feed that leading up to the draft, one of his wishes was to be drafted by the Giants. So he gets that wish. And this is a guy who's six feet, 176 pounds, known as a speedster, ran a 4-4. This gives the Giants much needed speed for their offense. We 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 saw last year that, you know, there was a lot of limitations. They didn't have any weapons. So you add him to the mix. You just traded for Darren Waller from uh from Oakland, Las Vegas, I should say. You signed Paris Campbell in free agency. You still have Hodgins. You got Slate in there. So the Giants add some much-needed speed to this offense that really desperately needed some decision-makers and some playmakers. And now, you know, because of his his threat on the outside, he's a home run-hitting receiver, that could further open the running game for the likes of Saquon Barkley, who right now is unhappy, hasn't reported to camp, but you know the expectation is he'll be there. At some point, and Daniel Jones, who who is obviously one of the you know best runners of the football of any quarterback in the NFL. So Giants having a good draft, fans excited about that. Bryce Young going number one to Carolina, that was uh, uh, coming uh, to no surprise of anyone. Houston, 